Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 13. Majors done and dusted for another year, there's still a lot of golf to look forward to, not only overseas, but in our own backyard and some big stories rolling around, a huge show today, uh, I'll introduce my co-panellists in a moment, but uh, Jared Lyle's going to be joining us uh, very, very shortly, which is outstanding for us to have the opportunity to speak to him and hopefully for you to have a listen, we'll be crossing over to Fiji to catch up with one of the early pace setters over there, also going to be catching up with... A man who makes holes in one for fun, uh, Mark Hayes. Uh, welcome to the show again. Oh, thanks, Andy. I wish it was me who made them for fun. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm chuffed about getting to chat to Jared Lyle That's today. Be great, shows everything about him that he's willing to come on and talk to the masses. So I uh, can't wait to speak to him. Martin Blake is here as well. Hello, Gazelle. G'day, Andy. I won't formally call you Andrew <laughs> this week after I copped it last week. <laughs> and uh, I am in a bit of shock here because around this side of the desk, uh, oh, we've got Hazy in pants this week. Not only that, there is a set order of things here with Inside the Robes. I sit here every week. Hazy sits where you're sitting, Blakey, and you've just waltzed oh. in and assumed the... I've got a bit of a history of that. To uh, co-host Murray, I'm afraid. If you ask, If you ask Mark, my friend Mark, my brother, uh, when we get to... Well, you've witnessed this. Uh, when we do the uh, Oz Open Radio, yes. uh, AO Radio, uh, yes. I tend to just barge in and take... What, what, what's what's my story, Hazy? I just uh, I'll I'm ta- going with Scotty. Yeah, or? I'll take Tiger, McElroy, and Jack Nicholas. You <laughs> guys can deal with everyone else. He's not bad at doing that. If if you kind of barge through like that, people just accept it. I think there's only one prerequisite. I reckon if you're going to take the feature group, and that is know how to use your equipment. <laughs> well, know how to use your equipment when you're out on the course. This that, is, that is look. I'm old school. I'm back with typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> carrier pigeons. I write stories by carrier Well, pigeons. hopefully that's all coming up later in the year, and if we get to do it again, uh, it'll be a whole lot of fun, as it always is. I think Australian Open Radio generally works better when your microphone's plugged in. I Call me old-fashioned, <laughs> right. but it's, uh, yeah, it was fascinating. Final major of the year uh, has come and gone, and we have a, another first-time winner, which continues. And I, I saw you. Did you write a story about this on the – somebody, I think it was you. Did you write a story on this? golf.org.au number of first time winners since 2015 you did didn't you yeah we did Uh, I think we're up to nine since uh, the start of 2015 which is an incredible run we've only had one repeat winner in the last nine championships it's absolutely extraordinary and isn't that great yeah it's fantastic and it it talks to the depth of men's professional golf around the world Uh, I'm, I'm a big one we don't want to get in comparisons with tennis but every year when everyone rocks down to Melbourne Park for the you know the year's first major tennis championship, you just say, well, are we going to see Rafa versus Federer? Are we going to see Djokovic versus uh, Murray. yeah Murray? Yeah. But that's it. There are options, mm. and same on the women's side, depending on how Serena's fitness is. There's five or six people who can win on either side of the of the tournament. Men's major championships, you could make 120 cases why people can win. 
It's extraordinary. Mm. Mm. And not be surprised if any of them did win. No, and, and you know, obviously um, a really promising young golfer with a lot of potential for the future. And I don't mean any disrespect to Jimmy Walker, but when he won this championship last year, you don't think, oh, he's going to go on and win mm. a handful of these things. But he was one of seven guys who hadn't won a major at the top of the leaderboard with five or six holes to go, and they were all square. I mean, it could have gone to anyone. It's incredible. 24 years of age, Andy, and uh, the last three major winners this year after since uh, Sergio won the Masters, uh, Justin Thomas, 24, Jordan Spieth, 25, Brooks Kepka 27. That's right. Uh, I reckon golf's in a good place in the yeah. wake of Tiger Woods is obviously gone, but and people would have said when Tiger started to fade out, well, this is going to be a problem for golf. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the PGA Tour has had nine winners under 30 this year. McElroy's still only 28, and uh, Jason Day's only 29 as well. So... It's a youth movement, and it's and they're, they're great to watch. Like Justin Thomas, son of a pro, grandson of a pro, smallish guy, he's not very big, hits it a million miles. But it's hard great to, to watch. He's 5'10". I don't know how to do the conversion from the old to the new. I think he's about 75 kilos. Uh, it, 66 kilos. Is he? He's 150 pounds, which I did one of those little conversions on my phone. Okay. 66 kilograms. That can't be right, can it? He's got to be more. But, yeah. but he's 5'10 away, so let's say 70 kilos, and smashes it. Yeah, he swings out of his boots every it, time. He smashes it. But that wasn't the thing that won in this tournament. As is often the case, you look back, if you look back at the stats, it's generally what they do on the green that separates you know, yeah. the wheat from the chaff. And his putting um, outside 10 foot. Uh, through the tournament was just better than everybody else. As simple as that. And we saw it come to pass on the Sunday. It was ridiculous what he was doing with the putter and yeah. that little chip on 13. 13. What he was doing with the, with the, around the green was ridiculous on Sunday. How many three putts do you reckon he had all week? Uh, Zero. Seriously? Not one. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, one. that's a good recipe for winning a golf tournament. Oh, it's an incredible... On those greens. I mean, the greens were running... I've read some uh, articles about the greens from people who were there who were saying that the PGA don't release the stimp meter reading, mm. but uh, the suggestion is that they were running at about 14. Yeah, so yeah. To no. not three-putt on big greens like that. Look, there's, the there's a lot we've got to talk about from that, and, and we've just t- touched the tip of the iceberg with the PGA championship. There's a lot of stuff we want to talk about. Justin Thomas and Jason Day, of course, which is probably, from what's been happening on the course, the lead item. Um, what he did on 18 on the Saturday needs some conversation and dissection, and we'll do all of that. Um, but one bloke who isn't 5'10 and doesn't weigh 66 kilos, um, but he's very close to all of us here and um, can hit a golf ball and has got other, but has got other things on his mind at the moment is Jared Lyle, and um, he's a great friend of all golf fans and golfers in Australia, and he's been good enough to join us on Inside the Ropes as he goes through the latest, the next battle in his life, and he joins us. Uh, Jared, great to have a chat to you, mate. Thanks for being available to us. No worries, boys. How are we? Great. How are you going? More to the point. Mate, I've, uh, what have I done today? I've just gone and had a blood test. Got out of hospital yesterday uh, in Melbourne, so I'm back down at home. And, uh, yeah, back in the hospital today for another blood test. So it's just uh, a common occurrence, me in hospitals at the moment. What, what's it like, mate, to get out of hospital? I mean, you've sat there staring at walls for a few weeks now. It must be a great relief to just get out and feel the world for a couple of minutes. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's kind of a weird feeling because it's kind of like your safety blanket when you're in hospital because if something goes wrong, the doctors are right there and, and all that kind of stuff. But... You know, going home, it's, it's a great feeling. Going home to, you know, obviously to see my girls and see them running around the house and having fun and, 
and doing all that, it kind of uh, makes you sort of realise that all the, the crap that you're going through is, is is worth it because you get to come home and see them. So it's, it's kind of a, a funny kind of situation to be in, but uh, I, I enjoyed my first night at home. Slept terrible, but, you know, I didn't have any beats or doctors or nurses coming in during the night. It was just <laughs> me by myself and, and that. So it was kind of a, a weird night, but... Um, it's just, yeah, it's a great feeling to, to walk out of there and uh, and come home for a couple of weeks, hopefully. Mate, uh, you know, we don't want to get too personal, but by you know, by default, this is the nature of, you know, your problem at the moment. Is it the, is it the key difference at the moment for you that you've got Lucy and Gemma there this time, obviously up and about and, you know, driving you here? Yeah, it is. I hate it is. It's, you know, golf, again, is just sort of, disappeared into the background. I don't know if I'll be playing ever again or or whether I'll come back for one event and do a Johnny Farnham and just sort of you know, <laughs> have a bit of a comeback tour and then disappear again and then come back again. But uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with golf, but you know, obviously having the girls there and, and having two kids to to watch grow up and, and take to school and, and all that kind of fun stuff is, is what's really driving me at the moment. Has the treatment knocked you around, Jared? Uh, how are you actually bearing up with that? And I'm just wondering whether you, this is your third crack at, at beating it, and you've beaten it twice before. Um, does the familiarity with what's happening, does that kind of help you a little bit? Yeah, mate, it, it helps a lot because I know exactly what's to come. You know, yeah. I, know, I know how I'm going to feel. I know what's coming. I know what the chemo is going to do to me. I know that there's times where I'm going to be really, really sick and I know there's times where I'm going to be feeling good like I am now, but sitting in hospital waiting for blood counts to come back and, and sort of get to a healthy level where the doctors say, okay, you can go home for a couple of weeks before we smash you again with chemo. So it's it's just a never-ending cycle and um, obviously the experience of having it twice before and knowing knowing what's to come and, and all that is, is a good thing to, I guess, to have in the in your back pocket, but it doesn't make it any easier. And as a professional golfer, Jared, you spend a lot of time, or some do, looking at stats and being aware of just how important statistics are. How big a deal is it for you when these markers that come back about these blood levels and the things that you're now, I'm sure, expert in, how big a deal is it for you on a daily or weekly basis as you're going through the treatment when you get a good number? A good number comes back from a marker perspective. How much extra spring does that give you to you know face the next part of um, you know the the recovery? Yeah, mate. Look, it's it's like a birthday. You mm. know, when you you sit there, and the biggest one they sort of look at is a thing called neutrophils, which help fight off infections and and things as well. So um, they need to get to a certain level, which is zero point five. Um, I woke up one day at about seven o'clock, and the nurse stuck her head in. She goes, "Jared, you got zero point one neutrophils." And I just let out a massive cheer yeah. because it had been on zero for two weeks. You know, and I'm like, oh, it's starting to work. Something's happening. And then the next morning I woke up and it was 0.4 and I was sort of going, oh, yeah, this is great. And then it was 1.3 and I'm like, Jesus, Christmas. <laughs> so it's, you know, just little things like that. It just feels like a little mini victory for me. And um, I know that that's exactly what their, their plan was. And, and I know that's what they were sort of working towards. But um, when you go from zero to one point three in three days, it's like a it's a nice little kick in the pants that you need. It puts a smile on your face, and uh, you know, it gives you that little bit of extra hope that you're going to get through it again. And, and it's important. For, sorry, Blakey, it's important for those around you too, isn't it, Jared? Because 
the people closest to you who are with you through this, you know, time and time and now time again, they know the numbers. They know what the numbers mean. So it's important for you, but I imagine it's equally as important for them. Yeah, it is, mate, because, you know, literally everyone just sits by the bed and, and there's nothing they can do to help them grow or make, you know, make any neutrophils or, or red cells or anything for me. So there's really nothing they can do. But when you start sort of sitting there and you understand what the blood counts are and you understand what it means to to have 0.1 of a neutrophil, you sort of sit there and, and it's, you know, again, it, it just feels good for everybody involved because mm. they can see that, that there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel again. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a tough thing for people to sit there and watch, not just myself, but everyone else is going through it because there's really nothing anyone can do to help. Jared, does the golf industry and the golf play, the pro players, do they kind of get around you? I presume that they would. Just reading Twitter, you know, I've noticed a lot of messages that have been sent to you and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about about that and some of the people that have kind of, uh, you know, not helped you out but just given you a pat on the back? Yeah, look, obviously my, my good mate Allenby, he's, um, you know, he texts me every couple of days and just makes sure that I'm doing okay and, and things like that. But I've had so many guys, like Jason Gore has messaged me a couple of times, um, Steve Elkington, just, you know, guys that, you know, you, you sit there, and I, I know I said this the last time, but, yeah, you, you know, you sit there and you're trying to beat these guys every time you step out there and play. But, you know, they, they've all a lot of guys have taken the time to, to write me a message or, you know, just shoot me a, a, a message on Twitter or anything like that just to just to make contact and let them know that, um, that they're there and if there's anything they can do, you know, please let them know and things like that. So it's nice to have that support from the guys that... Um, you know, you battled against for years, and it just shows. Again, it just shows that the, the PGA Tour and the Aussie Tour and the Asian Tour and all the tours that I play golf on—they're just a massive family, and everyone sort of gets around people when in times of need. And um, you know, to have the support of all those guys again is, is amazing. And uh, you know, I can't thank them enough. And and just and also just the general public too. You know, it's that's been absolutely incredible to know that all these people that I've never met and probably will never meet are sending me messages and and just letting me know that there's there's people around and there's people that are, you know, dealing with the same stuff and, and to know that I'm sort of helping them through it, but in, in the same breath, they're helping me through it as well. And for those of you who want to keep up and, and send the support to Jared, there's a, a landing page on the Golf Australia website, so it's golf.org.au forward slash Jared. And we're using the hashtag good luck, Jared. And I'm assuming you've read all those, mate. I know it's too hard to respond to every individual one because there's been an incredible response. But that it must make you feel good knowing that, uh, you know, you've got people in there punching along with you. Yeah, oh, mate, it does. It's, it's a great feeling to sit back and, and see these messages come through and sit there and read them. And, you know, you try and figure out whether you actually met this person before or you've, you've known them or you've played with them at a pro-am or things like that. But it's, it's nice just to know that there's so many people out there in the world that, that care about obviously what I'm going through because you know it, it might have been they might have been touched by something like that as well so it's you know it's a great feeling and it's, it's nice to have all those those messages come through and, and it just sort of brightens up your day a little bit. Mate uh, the day your chemotherapy treatment started uh, this time around Bryony was down at Challenge Cancer, Brony, your wife, for those who don't know, she's down at Challenge Cancer uh, in in uh, West Melbourne. 
doing a press conference to sort of, uh, you know, feed out the information to the world about your, your current circumstance. Uh, an incredibly gutsy thing by her, and she did it with such great aplomb too. But down at Challenge, and I know that the guys at Challenge, particularly Dave Rogers, the CEO, very dear to your heart, uh, it's heartbreaking to walk into that office. Uh, what would you say to people who want to be able to help someone, if not you in this instance? How do they get involved with Challenge, and, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, look, they, with, with Challenge, you can um, go on their website and become a volunteer. So that's a, a good way that people can sort of get involved with, with helping kids with cancer and things like that, or just a good old-fashioned donation. You know, you can jump on their website, challenge.org.au, and um, jump on there and just make a, a donation which goes directly to the kids and, and helps uh, with camps and, and all kinds of stuff to... Uh, you know, help support them and, and get them through their tough times. And it is, it's a very, it's oh, massively uh, important. Yeah. I was yeah. down there with Bryony that day and, uh, and um, you know, not wanting to put a dampener on this, but, you know, the, the staff were pretty bummed because they'd been four or five kids who'd lost their lives nice. and lost their battle the previous couple of weeks. And you just realise how important it is to be able to step up and, and try and help out and do your little part, whatever form mm. that might take, whether it's financial or just, you know, a little note. So, you know, I, I you know, I don't. I can't put words in Jared's mouth, but I know he's super impressed with everything that they those guys do for not only him but all the kids. Yeah, so- well they look. They sorry guys. They they do a great job down at Challenge, and you know over the last few years they've actually sort of started helping pay for, for kids' funerals and, and things like that as well, which is not a a nice thing to have to do. But that's the kind of work that Challenge does. They they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't see and don't mm. recognise. So. You know, for them to step up and, and help families to, you know, give their, their child a, a, the perfect send-off um, is a great thing. And it's, it's it's a very close charity to me and something that's very dear to my heart. And to be able to play a part in doing that kind of stuff, you know, to help help families send off their child, it's, it's a great feeling and, um, you know, something I'm very proud of and I'm very proud to be associated with Challenge. Justifiably, mate. Uh, and I can. I know that there's been a big rush on the Luke the Duck pins, which is a, another thing to dear to your heart. But those things are going to be worth more than uh, coins one day soon, mate. Yeah, they will, mate. And it's it's nice to be able to you know get pictures from golf courses and have um, all these you know Luke the Duck head covers and pins and all that kind of stuff on everybody's golf bags and hats. It's, it just shows me that there's a lot of very very genuine people around around the world and around Australia that, that want to help and support everybody and um, you know to, to to play a tiny little part in that and help get those products out there to everybody in Australia is is a great feeling for me and it's it's something that if I get through this again I'll be out there pushing it as hard as I can to you know to help raise a bit more money for challenge and and just do my part as an ambassador. So what do you do with the days off, mate? I don't know how many how many when the, when you have to go back inside. But while you don't have to be in the hospital, can you do much when you go home? Yeah, look, it's um, I can do as much as I can. Obviously, you know, sitting around for for three weeks in hospital is um, it's it's taken its toll. Of you know, my, my chicken legs that I usually have are a bit more chickeny as my wife. <laughs> You'd be wasting away, man. How's the hospital <laughs> um, food? I know you like to shift some food, a bit like me in Hazy. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, you know, you said that I don't weigh 66 kilos like Justin Thomas, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on it. The old chemo diet's uh, oh. that's under 100 kilos now, so oh. it's, uh, 
it's a different looking Jared Law. Well, I, know, I know that uh, Bryony used to give me hell when uh, Jared was just coming through the ranks. Every time I wrote a story, I didn't even realise I was doing it. But every time I did it, wrote a story on him, I called him Burley. And she came up to me one day and gave me a real backhander. <laughs> He's not that Burley. <laughs> <laughs> what, so what do you do when you – I mean, you're obviously trying to get better and you've got a heap of treatment and there's a million things going on when you're in there. But you've got to be able to pass the time other than sort of just, you know, being a pincushion for the docs and the nurses in the place. What do you do – you know, for the three weeks? Is there a way you found that kind of adequately passes your time? Um, well, I started doing my bridging program through the PGA. So I'm trying to um, figure out how much of the, the written stuff, the written assessments I can get done while being in there. Because yep. I want to, obviously, I want to continue with that and, and try and get it finished, you know, as soon as I get out of hospital, pretty much. But... Um, you know, it's just a bit of a battle because you might start doing something and then then the doctors will come in and then you sort of, you lose your train of thought and then um, you, you just, I don't know, it's a, it's a funny thing because people just come in whenever they want and they want to do stuff and then you have your OBS taken and then you have, you know, someone wants to come in and recheck your blood pressure and, and all that. So there's always people coming in and you've got visitors coming in, so it's hard to sort of get a lot of stuff done, but I'm slowly figuring out the morning TV is terrible. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and I do have a bit of a, not a problem, but I'd love, I'd love buying stuff on, on like through shopping TV. eBay. You're like an eBay, oh, no. mate. So the last time, when I was sick in 2012, I ended up buying a set of uh, saucepans and a steam mop. <laughs> and a what? A steam mop? A steam mop, yeah. <laughs> Did it have any steak knives with it? No, but I did get a free bigger saucepan because I was one of the first 30 callers. So it's uh, just, just silly little things like that. But, you know, I've, I've pretty much been told that if I make one purchase, my credit card's getting cut up. So, uh, <laughs> I can look, but I can't touch. Oh, mate. Hey, we're, obviously, it goes without saying, you know, it's great to hear your voice and it's always good to hear the smile on your face. We can't see yeah. it, but we can hear it, mate. And that is remarkable. Um, thanks for being part of this little podcast and um, on, you know, I'm sure Hazy and Blake, you can say it for themselves, but, you know, all the very best, mate. Um, we're, we're in your corner. Thank you, guys. And, you know, that smile will always be there, no matter how bad the day is. So that's, just keep fighting. That's great to hear, mate. Yeah, keep it up, mate. I, I don't know what to say to you. We're all just right in your corner. Thank you. Jared Lyle joining us on Inside the Ropes. G'day, I'm my golf ambassador Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's national junior program, jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment, and just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. G'day, it's Nick O'Hearn here. Whenever I get the chance, I catch up with Inside the Ropes to follow up on all the latest golf, and I urge you all do the same. It's a great show. Oh, uh, before we get back into all the other bits and pieces and continue the PGA Championship chat, it's, um, it's a moment where you just stop and... Everything gets put into a bit of perspective, doesn't it, when you have a chat to yeah. Jared Lyle? It's hard to know where to sort of 
take that conversation on and just full of admiration that he'll even pick up the phone and talk mm. to us and it shows that you know he wants to interact with everyone. Uh, how, how positive is he yeah. for, it's for someone who's on his third bout of chemotherapy? I mean, you know. It's incredible. I don't know whether you bikes have been close to them. We don't get too deep into this, but it it you know it's, it 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 engulfs not only the person going through it, but you know the the inner circle and then probably a couple of layers out. And um, for him to stay as positive as he is, having you know battling for the third time, it's just it's phenomenal. Like it's he's uh, he's an extremely unique individual to be able to bear up through this the way he does, I reckon. And tell yarns about buying stuff on the shopping <laughs> channel. What a cracking, yeah. what a cracking little story. Just oh, tell, yeah. Live your life. That's, yeah, of course, mate. Live your life and, and uh, get in behind him and, and do that stuff for challenge because you, know, you, you will feel better for doing it. Even if you go down there and volunteer and help, they'll love that. Do anything you can. No doubt. Uh, okay, so we are talking about golf, and we were talking about Justin Thomas and his win. So he wins it by two, uh, Molinari, who stays in, and Patrick Reed finally breaks his major championship top ten sort of hoodoo. He gets himself not really in the frame to win it because I don't think he ever got close enough. No one really on the last day, once the die had been cast from about the halfway point of the – it looked – I'm probably a bit later than that, probably from about early in the back nine. It just – it started to have a – well, Matsuyama was obviously in it, wasn't he? Yeah. But uh, but uh, Justin Thomas just just played too he well. He just played too well. Yeah. Um, and I when he hit the st- shot into seventeen, it was that yeah. was an unbelievable shot. Yeah, no, he's hit a series. His highlight reel from the last ten or eleven holes is off the charts. Mm. Like it really will stand the test of time. Say what you want about the USPGA. That as a major championship, his highlight reel of the last round is unbelievable. Mm. So Jason Day tied ninth, Andy, and uh, obviously took an eight on the fifty fourth hole. We'd need to talk about that. I mean, I was watching that at the time. I think you were as well. Uh, this was just craziness. I think I'm not sure. It's difficult when you're just watching on TV. I'd love to have been there and heard, kind of heard what Cole Swat and his caddy and coach said to him. But uh, you know, he tried to hit a miracle shot around the tree, the very first shot, and then that just led to all sorts of mayhem. And it's interesting, and Hazy, I'd be interested to know what you think about this as well. Uh, he was interviewed by Evan Priest from AAP uh, a day or two later. He didn't wouldn't speak to any media that night, mm. uh, which is unusual for him, but he did to sort of blow them off. But... Uh, a couple of days later, he said that he he kind of said that he wouldn't he didn't regret it, and that that's why he's the player that he is that he he's able to pull off some of these shots. But I was a bit surprised by that. I, I thought he would have owned up to a bit of a a blue a, a brain fade. I think he has got that mindset, you know, just like Tiger, like Jack, like all the great players. He's got that mindset of, you know, I'm going to keep trying that thing. I, I'm great. I don't care. This is why I'm great. I'll I'll try these shots, and when they come off, I'm a superstar. And I think that's a common trait for those for those guys. They they just you know play it because they expect to make it. I don't think they stand there thinking what could go wrong. They just say which hole am I going to hit it out of? Like but which you know would have been great. You know would have been great. Knock it out sideways, stick an eight iron to four foot, and make the putt for four. That would have been great. Yeah. That would have been great, and it keeps his tournament alive. Even if he makes five. Yeah. He's, he's, he looks at the leaderboard. You mentioned this before. He said, oh, I looked over at Kisner, who was in the middle of the fairway. Well, if I'm Cole or I'm Jason, I'm saying, well, that bloke's no lock to get through tomorrow unscathed. Mm. If I'm within four or five of him tonight, well, I'm a massive chance of running him down. Yeah. I'm not running him down if I'm seven or eight behind him. And he could have done the same thing with a whole lot of the other blokes who were in front of him on the leaderboard because there are a lot of 
unknowns in terms of Sunday major championship status in front of him on the leaderboard. And he, he inst- instead of keeping his tournament alive, he basically killed off his chances with... Own one shot. With one shot, which was a crazy shot to try that, and play. That is the incongruity of what he said, because in in his mind, whether it's right or wrong, I, I actually tend to agree with this, he's a better player than Kevin Kisner. Well, no doubt. So in his mind, he's got to punch out and say, you know what, I'm going to run you down tomorrow. I'll, tuck, I'll suck back up the bogey here yeah. and back myself A lot of in. people have said to me that exactly what you said, Andy, which was that it's the 54th hole, not the 72nd hole. It's a 72nd hole and you're a couple behind yep. and you've got to go for it like Charlie Hoffman did the week before. Okay, but it's the 54th hole. You Spot can, on. You can't win the tournament today, but you can lose it. There are a lot of blokes and there's a lot of conversation about this on Twitter. And look, Jason Day is a... He's a is an outstanding player. He's an outstanding player who, at the moment, has got one major alongside his name. Right, that, that's the reality. He's won multiple ten times on the PJ Tour and you know multiple times, and he's made a fortune out of the game. And he could walk away from the game tomorrow and never have to lift a finger again. So he's he's made a life for himself through his gift and his work rate, which is a credit to him. But we all all sit here, do we not, and think, no, no, this bloke's got more than one major championship in him. Could we, be a five-major player. Don't we think that? Four or five-major player. So, yeah. so since his major debut in 2010, I reckon the count now is 28 major championships that he's completed. He withdrew from one and um, missed another couple of cuts. So I think it's 28, roughly. Uh, he's got 14 top 10 finishes, which is an incredible strike rate. It is unbelievable historically, but one win. And, you know, we... He could, as you say, Andy, rightly, he could retire and be a major champion forevermore. So there's no, you know, he's he's done what he has to do. That's not enough for a bloke of his talent. The good news is, Andy, that he is playing a bit better. I thought so too. We t- we spoke about this last week. I thought there were signs the week before. Yeah. After Akron, I thought he looked like he was, you know, and then he and then he gets into the front halfway, mate. You, honestly, you couldn't, even though he's still a bit loose off the tee, and this is. This is part of the what led to him doing what he did on 18 on Saturday. He hits it so hard and so far off the tee, and he's such a great um, scr- not scrambler necessarily, but he's great at extracting himself from difficult positions that he puts himself in off the tee because he can be a bit errant. Um, that he just backs himself. Yeah, he backs himself, and that's that is a sign of greatness, you know. Mm. Um, but this was one of those moments that he just needed to exercise a bit of caution. And you'd love to know, we don't hear from Cole very often, but you'd love to know what Swanton said to him. Like, did he say, and a lot of blokes, have, a lot of caddies and a lot of players have said, the caddy should have given him a 9-iron, got the bag, walked over to, I'm going to go and stand over there, hit it to me. Mm. Stand on the fairway and hit it to me and walk away from him and give him no option. Make him come over and take another, like have one of those little standoff moments. On, of course, that doesn't happen very often and probably happens rarely actually but the symbolism of it was what people were getting at that the, that the coach and mentor and caddy probably needed or could have and this is where you'd love to know what actually happened between yeah. the two of them could have really put his foot down here i agree uh, but then again you know devil's advocate 2015 uspga championship at whistling straits you know the field's coming at him he could easily take three woods and three irons off the tee and just try and nurse his score around. Mm. Instead, he takes you know driver in the most narrow bottlenecks of fairways, middle of that back nine, mm. creams it, crushes the field, hits a brilliant drive up the last, doesn't play for a five, plays for a four, sets yeah. a major championship record, and that's what we idolised him for. True. So it's, it's hard to know where you you know do, do we say 
God, he's a great player when he's on fire and expect him to then lay up when things aren't perfect. It's a tough, tough question. Yeah, no, of course, and he, we are. Look, yeah, we are, we're, we're mugs and we're trying to second-guess a bloke who is playing at the absolute elite level week in, week out. And if um, his foot doesn't slip on the pine straw, maybe he pulls it off and mm. you know we're sitting here lauding a second major. Yeah, oh, who knows? Mark, Mark Leishman tied 13th, continues to improve and, and really play some solid goal. He's really been our best player this year. He's number 29 in the world, Mark That's Leishman. That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, Adam Scott, 61st first, and is coming home, or may already be home, in fact, Hazy. Yeah, I think he's home now in the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah. His wife Marie's having a baby. Mm. He's declining to play the first two playoff events, and that means that effectively his season in America is over. Mm. Yeah, next time we'll see him is President's Cup. Yeah, uh, which he's passionate about. But how he goes with uh, what will amount to about seven weeks rest is and a lot of nappy changing mm. is, uh, well, it's questionable. Mm. Oh, well, there's important things in life and he's probably got a bit of perspective. Yep. And, you know, he's getting older now. I mean, it's not he all is. about him and it's not all about, you know, playing golf anymore for Adam Scott as much as, and again, he's he's made a, he's made a fortune out of the game. So, you know. And it's as much as we sit here and, Rubbish on about it. It's not about us either, you know. No. It, you know, we can just be, a, I guess, a voice piece for a lot of people's thoughts, but, uh, you know, they don't care what we really think ultimately. So, you know, we'd like to see you out there doing the things for Australian golf, but he has. He's got bigger priorities. Yeah, no doubt. Those two tournaments that he's declining, Andy, are worth $8.5 US million. Uh, there's a few pros out there, <laughs> a few a struggling pros would be looking at that and just shaking <laughs> it's their a, head. It's a lot of money. Um, anything else from the PGA? Championship before we get off? Yeah, or? I'm just going to, not, not, for, not for long, but Quail Hollow is fascinating to me um, in the sense that it's clearly been altered a fair bit. The grass has changed, as Ali pointed out last week. Um, some pretty substantial um, just looks differences mm. from the last time we saw it. It's a storied course on the PGA Tour, but they've tried to trick that into a property that's capable of holding a major championship, and I just didn't think it... Uh, was of that standard. Mm. Um, all the talk, as we preempted last week, was about the Green Mile. Next time we see that course, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's a 2021 President's Cup, so the one after Royal Melbourne is going there. And they're going to move, reroute the course so that 16, 17, 18, that Green Mile might be 13, 14, 15 or something like that. Um, oh, because it's match play. Because it's match play. Yeah. And historically, on average, those matches finish on the 16th, so mm. they want to get holes uh, in play. <laughs> Uh, bef- you know, so they don't have empty grandstands full of people not watching any matches in the President's Cup. So, look, it's it's gone from being a legitimate PGA Tour uh, destination to something that's tricked up. And I think the players, from what I read and heard, despised the way it was set up. Mm. Cups or pins cut on top of ridges. Uh, greens, as Blakey points out, running at 14+. plus uh, Narrow fairways... It wasn't fun. You either had a really good score, like they, they made it a little easier on the Sunday, or it was just brutal like it was on the Saturday. Um, no in-betweens. It makes it really hard to sort of get your teeth into it as a, as a spectator and I'd imagine a player. Well, it was – look, I don't know what you two thought, but I thought it was pretty grim watching until about the last – well, until about the last sort of three hours of the event. Yeah. It wasn't a fun tournament to watch. Eight, hard, under, hard golf, eight under wins it. Yeah. Hard golf doesn't mean good. I mean, Clay says this all the time. Hard golf doesn't equal good golf. You it's know, probably so. more US Open style, wasn't it? In yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, it was. Very much was. so. Yeah, yeah. Grinding, yeah. I, I, make, make a grinding par. Exactly. Stay yep. in the run. And yep. I point everyone to Clay's piece on the golf.org.au website mm. about is the US PGA Championship, uh, you know, 
worthy of ho- not worthy of holding major status, but it needs to be something different. Uh, it needs to travel around the world or whatever. But the one of the great takeouts of that is: does any kid in the world grow up wanting that to be their major of choice? And I, I, I staggered if the answer is yes to anyone for anyone at all. No, no. but many no. years ago it used to be a match play yeah. format, and maybe something like that would. The, the answer is clearly no, but mm. you you take it. Absolutely, you know, take if it. you win it while it's a major and it's got that status, you know, I know I understand exactly what Clayton's saying. I understand what you're saying, and I understand mm. what everybody says when they talk about the you know PGA Championship. But um, while the status quo is unchanged, um, you know, it's probably the fourth tournament mm. that people want to win. You know, it's, it's still got a great. It's still. People would still rather win the PGA Championship than, than say the players, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. by a light year. But I think it's incumbent upon us, if we all feel this way, to actually keep the pressure on and keep talking about it. Like We've banged on about the rules and the need for people to keep vocalising their thoughts so that maybe one day things might change. I think the same applies, Blakey, to um, the location or the destination of future PGA Championships and also the World Golf Championship events. We can sit here and do nothing and just go, oh, they're always going to be in the United States. And even if we whinge, they probably still end up there. But at least I reckon we're, you know, as a world... Golf citizen, I reckon we we are almost ordained to sort of you know keep the heat on these people and just say, come on, spread it around the world. Mm. I, I, can't, I can't see them moving the PGA Championship because it's the US PGA who run it, but the World Golf Championships they are run by all the different tours, including ours, mm. and they were meant to be a world event. So that they're the ones I think that really should. Now Rod Pampling was amusing, Andy, wasn't he? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, he actually copped a little bit of flack in one or two circles, which I don't understand at all. I think a few people fired off early when they saw the video footage of him doing the Happy Gilmore shot on, on the ninth tee on the second day. But uh, just for perspective, if people haven't caught up with it, uh, it was getting dark and Rod Pantley was 12 over par uh, with one hole to play in his second round. He clearly wasn't going to make the cut. And... That he did it for his playing partners, so Janda Shawfillay and Thomas Peters were Beautiful putting guy. out, and he walked up to the tee, and he wasn't the only one who did it. Dustin Johnson did he it did in the same Jason, thing. Jason Day's group. Yep. He actually went and played his tee shot before Jason Day and the other whoever was playing with them putted out on the previous hole, just so that they could get a ball in play and finish their hole, so they don't have to come back at six o'clock, five o'clock the next morning, play one hole, and then wait another three mm. hours to play again. So. But Jason Day was glowing in his. Thanks yeah. for Dustin. He said, well, the most selfless thing that anyone's ever done for me on a goal, or something along those lines. Yeah, the Pamps did make the most of it, didn't you? <laughs> it was with fantastic. the happy Gilmore <laughs> run up and swing, it and it great. was a horrendous look on the uh, shot tracker. Or <laughs> it wasn't a good ball on the tracker. Uh, it was great. Uh, amongst our other business, and we've got a fair bit to get through before we um, obviously get done today, um, is the Fiji International, which is taking place as you probably listen to this podcast, depending on whether you're listening to it before Sunday afternoon, you know, Australia, Australian time, and co-sanctioned on the European Tour. So this is a great opportunity for a lot of pros, particularly a lot of Australian pros, to, you know, get a couple of years status on the European Tour if they can get across the line. It's a, it's a pretty good field. There's some quality players who are teeing up, and we're lucky enough to be joined by one of the great men of Australian golf, uh, Jason Norris, who I don't know whether he's surprised himself, but he, as we speak to him, he sits tied to having shot a three on a par. I think it's a 72 par. Is 72 par, Jason, 69? Yes, it is. How are you? Mate, well played. Yeah, pretty happy with it. I was blowing a hurricane this morning. 
Hey, it's hard when you get up at four when you get a tea time of four oh four AM. No, my tea time was uh, six thirty. We had to get up at four oh four AM. I thought I'd put a little post there just for you to bag me. <laughs> I thought it must have been early. That's still pretty early to be getting up for a game of golf. Um, tell us about how the round played out. Um, I said it was flying about 45k when we teed off at 6.30 this morning. It just came light and uh, we're straight into the wind. Started off pretty ordinary with a bogey and then from there played pretty good. But uh, uh, it's a mint golf course here. You could probably see it on TV, but it's a sensational golf course. And we'll tell people how to follow it over the weekend in a minute, not only on the TV, but also on the via the PGA TV, which is a great innovation, but that's another story in a second. Jase, the course has been remodelled. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chat to Vijay Singh about it. Obviously, Fiji's greatest golf export. He's there back again playing this week. What's the What are the changes like to Natadola Bay? Well, they've done a great job. It was a really super tough golf course, and there was probably five greens that were really, really hard in the wind. It just blew off the greens and a bit tough, so he's fixed all them up and uh, cleared out some of the, the garbage around. So uh, not just for the pros, but for all the amateurs, it's more playable, it's more enjoyable and uh, and you can you know you can play it a bit easier but it's still a tough golf course there's a lot of holes where you you've just got it straight or you lose your ball so into that wind when you're going sort of into the wind jason what sort of club difference did it make to a shot what sort of club wind was it out there today um well let's say an eight on you know you get an eight on 100 meters where i hit at 145 sometimes so you know, you had some drives. It's just, it's just crazy. You could fly it uh, 280 metres or, or 200 metres, depending on the wind. So it's just crazy. We went and I had a uh, five-iron 235 metres on one of the old past threes that was over the back. <laughs> was that one of those holes down the, down the coast? Like one, the one of those little ones right on the Coral Bay coast there? Yeah, it's the... Um, the old fourth, but I, it's, it's now we've changed the design of the course. We, we play it as eight now. It's my second last hole. It's right. right along the, on the coast, and it's blowing down there. For those who haven't been there, like it's a bit. I don't know what the. I've been there since the changes have been made, but it was a bit. It was a bit kind of silly at places like that big par five where you. Driving down the hill, it was like about a three hundred foot drop from the tee to the fairway, and yeah, then it's. Is. is it still? Is it a bit sort of tricked up in places, or have they made it a more genuine well, kind of golf course? It was. It's now they've cleared out the ones that were really ridiculously hard. Now it's good. It's playable. So that one you're talking about now is the first. Mm. It used to be the sixth, but it's um, you know they've cleared out on the right a lot. You can find your ball now, and it's a bit fairer. But they've done a really good job now. They've done a lot of work between last year and this year. It's amazing they've got it back up, but it's. Uh, you know, it's a lot more playable now, but it's still tough. You know, there's so many tough shots. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jason, it's Martin Blake. Uh, you haven't been doing any bike riding out there, have you? Uh, I just remember uh, an incident at uh, Coolum a few years ago where you, you did yourself some serious damage, didn't you? Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think you actually have had some ongoing issues with that. Yeah. It was that Coolum yeah, no, one year, wasn't it? 207, maybe? Yeah, I'll never get over that. My jaw's bugging me. I get work on it all the time, so... How is your health actually? Because you had some, you had meningitis as well a couple of years ago. You had a pretty rough run. Are you, are you up and running now? I had a good run. I've actually, I've, my missus got me onto this stuff called Plexus a couple of years ago. And now my health's uh, actually very good at the moment. So that's the best part of my game. Doing a lot more work on my body now that I'm getting older. I've, I've lost about five or ten yards in the last year or so. So the boys are picking on me a bit. So <laughs> I've, uh, I've got to get fitter, I think. But it's, yeah, I've definitely lost a few yards lately. But 
What about all those people? Who, the better the the age. Helps. What, what about all those people who say you should be aiming towards a modelling career after your golf finishes, Nori? Yeah, they know that's a lie. Who was that? Is that you, Hazy? That's Hazy. <laughs> yeah, of course it was Hazy. Everyone who knows me knows I won't be modelling. <laughs> are you? We know that's a good joke. Are you? Do you kid? Are you still like full time into it, Jason? Like you're still giving it, you know, the full time kind of treatment as a pro? Golf. Yeah. We're talking about golf still? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've just quit my job at the Grange Golf Club on last uh, last weekend, so I'm back into it now. My body was struggling, but standing around the pro shop. So, um, yeah, now I'm just full-time golf again now. So, Giving up on being a jumper salesman? Yeah, I sold too many jumpers and water, <laughs> weather jackets and ties and stuff like that, so back to playing golf full-time. But it, uh, it's hard to, to try and play. And I was just watching. I don't know if you got telecast, but uh, someone just chipped in. Good chip. Um, yeah, it's it's too hard to work and play. You just got to play, and just you got to devote your life to, to golf if you want to be a good player. As all these young guys have got to learn. Jase, just one last thing before we let you go, mate. Um, the the tournament over there has gone from strength to strength, and now um, you know tri sanctioned with the European Tour and the Asian Tour. A, it gives you a lot more outs if you if you do something great this week. But but B, it must have a much more of an international feel, which is great for Fiji as well. Oh, it's a, that's why they run the event. It's such a good for tourism, and they, they want to break into Asia, and it's the best way to do it, I think. So, but it's a good field, yeah. It's, it works well this event. Well, mate, it's good to see your name uh, where it is uh, as the opening round continues to play out. As we look at it right now, you've only got one fella in front of you. That's Gavin Green, who has obviously, you know, been a, um, a perennial sort of leaderboard. Um, type presence on the Asian tour for a long time. We've been watching him do his thing. Yeah. So, and you got Austin Connolly alongside you, the young kid who looks like he should be skateboarding. Who <laughs> um, we all watched during the Open Championship. So, mate, it's um, it's a good looking leaderboard, and we wish you, mate, all the very best in the next couple of rounds. Thanks, thanks, for joining Andy. Us. Thanks, boys. Good thanks, on you, Jason. Jason Norris, one of the good blokes of Australian golf, joining us on the show. And, and Andy, I just want to point out that um, the PGA has done a, a fantastic thing here. Not only are they giving um, young Australian pros or, you know, sorry, Jace, but slightly older ones like Mr. Norris a chance to get out to the European Tour and Asian Tour by having the, the tri-sanctioned nature of this event, they're actually doing a really good thing with PGA TV, which they launched yeah, last yeah, year, and yeah. it's gone really well for them so far. Uh, and, and not only is it on Fox Sports this weekend, it's also on PGA TV. So if you want to just... Tune in as you're sort of sitting there at work and you slide Blake style, you slide your iPad next to your... Uh, disappointing they've gone with the Brendan Julian uh, host. In, I would have thought I would have been a natural. But I think you're... You, some people get you and Brendan Julian mixed up and then you stand next to each other. Uh, so it's five hours every day, the PGA TV broadcast, and it's streaming live from 10 till 3 today, uh, being Thursday and Friday uh, tomorrow as well, and then from 9 till 2 on the weekend. So depending on when you're listening to this, tune in. It's fantastic. Great commentary team. Brendan Julian, Blakey's mate, Paul Gow, Don Poole, Aussie Moore, and a favourite of ours, Ryan Lynch, making his commentary oh, debut. Yeah, so it's a it's a great innovation that PJ has done here, and it allows you to keep up with things even when you can't see it on free-to-air TV. So magnificent achievement by those guys. Three major championships, three Masters champions in the field as well. Yeah, uh, amazing. Angel Cabrera, Mike Weir. And, of course, Vijay Singh, the host. Uh, Vijay's got a lot of pressure when he goes home, but uh, he's been busily talking up the redesign. I think he's trying to angle for some more jobs over in Florida, Blakey. I'm uh, I'm just sort of looking for uh, 
some some of that coverage just to see the the flags bend over. It's oh, a bit, it's a bit like a kind of a Scottish links oh, in a way to see those flags. And I think you, play, I played, you, there. you I played, played there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's brutal. It's yeah. brutal. It's, I can't remember. It's like the twelfth. You hit sort of down into this. Um, it's a slight dog leg uphill um, par four, and you hit down in, in between these kind of two kind of, kind of clusters of volcanic rock, and then your second shot into the prevailing wind is straight uphill, straight into the wind to a plateaued green. And it was, I had about a 90, I'm not a long hitter, but about 95 metres to the pin. And I and I smashed my 7-iron, which if I hit my 7-iron, okay, it goes about 135-ish, mm-hmm. something like that. I smashed my 7-iron. It hit the front edge of the green. Like it just hit the brick wall, hit the front edge, plopped down on the front and came just pretty much all the way back down to me. <laughs> on the, it is brutal. I mean, it is generally brutal. But it looks it. if you ever go there, there's don't ever buy a ball. I shouldn't say this too. Don't buy a ball in the pro shop. Because the local, they've got this great um, when they when they develop the land with the local inhabitant, it's on the Coral Coast. They said, well, you can continue to um, occupy stretches of the coast, and you can sell your wares. So you get these beautiful sweet potato and tuna wraps that the locals make, and they just sit between the third green and the fourth tee, and you buy them for a buck, and they're absolutely beautiful. But what they also do is walk through the rough. And they find all the balls that everybody loses, yeah. and they sell you. You can, I mean, you can buy a lot of basically unused, brand new golf balls for a pittance of the <laughs> cost that you would at a pro shop. So don't load up in the pro shop if you're going to add it at Bay. Just get don't, to, the, okay. just get out there, and the locals will sell you a whole lot, any brand you want. They've got them all beautifully laid out. It's beautiful, magnificent. beautiful people, the Fijians. They sure are. Um, other bits and pieces. Um, we talked about Scotty. You talked about Scotty not um, playing much golf between now and the end of well, until the President's Cup rolls around because of injury, um, not because of um, having his baby, of course. Rory, Matt, Rory McElroy uh, discussed what his future looks like, his immediate future looks like after he teed off early on the Sunday of the PGA Championship. Just thought I'd play you this and maybe get an outlook on what the future, the immediate future looks like for Rory McIlroy. Right now I can feel my left rhomboid boy going into spasm. Um, it's sort of the way it has been for the last few weeks. Uh, I've upped my practice over, you know, coming into this, these two events because I wanted to, to feel like I was, I was in a good place in my game. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's, it's a tough one because I can go out there and I can play and I can shoot decent scores. But when I come off the course, you know, I, as I said, I feel this left rhomboid boy going to spasm inside my left arm goes numb. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I've got this next week off to, to assess what I need to do going forward. Are you, are you uh, wrestling so. with what, what to do about the FedEx? Yeah, yeah, I am because I feel like I'm, I'm capable and playing well enough to give myself a chance in it. But at the same time, April's a long way away, and that's the, the next big thing on my radar. So. How much of a letdown is it to go majorless for another season? Uh, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I want to get back into that winner's circle, and um, you, know, you don't want to be teeing off at 9.45 on the, you know, the final round of a major on, on a Sunday. You know, that's, that's not where you want to be. So, um, you know, but as I said, I have, a, I have a good bit of time to get healthy and address a few things going going forward. And uh, as I said, the, the next big thing is is April, and, and that's really what what my focus will be on from now until then. So it's a long way away, yeah. isn't it? For the life of a golfer, 
But, I, I think uh, it is what it is, Andy. I mean, he's playing hurt, isn't he? He's uh, got to get a few things sorted out, doesn't he? Like he's he's been through some. Obviously, got the health or the physical issues. He's got a few new caddy, new clubs. Yeah, he's, he's he's had a, it's been a real really significant period of upheaval and change from a professional perspective for McElroy. Yeah, David Duval, who I think is a very good analyst on uh, the Golf Channel, said that he he should go away and sort himself out, sort out that injury. Because, you know, a rib injury to play golf, and especially when you swing as hard and violent as he does, mm. not ideal at all. And uh, I just look at him sometimes and I think, you know, he's so talented, incredibly talented. Probably his best is, other than DJ Dustin Johnson, you know, maybe his best could be the best out there. Uh, and he searches for things, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. The other one, Hazy, and we'll deign to you on this one. I'm not sure why we will, but we will. This is the news. <laughs> There's been the latest in the Tiger Woods sort of saga, off-field, of course, saga. The uh, news broke regarding the uh, findings of the toxicology report with Tiger during the week. Uh, this did make for some very interesting listening. It's now been determined Tiger Woods had five different drugs in his system when he was arrested on suspicion of DUI in May. The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office released a toxicology report on Monday. According to ESPN, the drugs in Woods' system were Vicodin, Dilaudid, Xanax, Ambien, and THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana. The toxicology results are now public since there is no longer an active criminal investigation. This past Wednesday, Woods pleaded guilty to reckless driving. He also agreed to enter a diversion program that will have his record wiped clean if he completes it. So let's hope he completes it and he gets the record wiped clean. But when you hear, like, I don't know about you, like, I, I struggle to take a Panadol for a sore throat, to be honest. Like that, mm. But when you've, none of us are Tiger Woods, but you're loading up on five fairly high-power pharmaceutical drugs to deal with whatever he's dealing with, uh, it is, pardon the pun, that is a cocktail for disaster, isn't it? I mean, that's a, that's just going nowhere. That's sort of, you can't live your life like that. Some good Scrabble scores if you get a few of those words down on a board, Andy. Uh I, look, this this whole case, we we get potted sometimes because we talk about Tiger and it's not golf related. Well, you know, he's the world's number one golfer. He's the bloke that's put golf on the map for the past twenty odd years. It's a story whenever whenever he does whatever he does. We've been really lucky. We shouldn't forget this. We've been really, really, really lucky that he didn't cause a serious accident on that road that night. And people were saying, "Oh, get off his case, get off his case." What if he'd bumped into a sixteen-year-old girl on a cycle bicycle? I mean, those drugs are hardcore, Blakey. Yeah. They're they're the real deal. And I, you know, he, he's talking. But he's got off with doing a diversion program, wherever that might be in the state, so that he doesn't, you know, have to really front the music. And he gets his, you know, record cleaned and whatever. I reckon he's got off really light on so many aspects of this. Uh, and we, you know, he's due. He's due some. He's due a bit of luck. I'll, I'll grant him that. But seriously. Oh, that's that's a as you say, Andy. It's a cocktail for disaster, and we've been blessed that it hasn't been more um, damaging, not only to him but to others around him. No doubt. No oh, doubt. It's just sad. It it's is. Sad it's a sad. Happened. Yep. Yep. Mm. It's um. It he wants so, you see him bob up and be part of the Justin Thomas celebrations, and he's still desperately. You can see it. He, he still desperately. He's wants on the President's to, Cup. Uh, I think he's one of the assistant yep. captains at the President's Cup. That kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Mm. Uh, he wants to be part of the gang, but. I don't know whether we're ever going to see it again. I saw someone pop up odds the other day of him uh, winning the Masters in yeah. 2018. I think it was the, was the thousand 
to one? Oh, 101. Yeah. No, I think it was 1,000. 1,001, was it? I think it was 1,000, and, and the discussion was, is this sufficient? And mm-hmm. I think that, like, once upon a time, people would say, oh, you know, that if you tease it up, he's a chance. You've got to grab those odds. And I think the sentiment now is basically that's got a missing a couple of zeros. Mm-hmm. He's 1,001 to, to be at Augusta. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Hi, my name is Thorian Yu who play at the LPGA Tour and I love Vegemite but I love Cedro more than Vegemite. Time for other business on Inside the Road. We've got to start with a story that's going to have just about every golfer who's listening to it. <laughs> automatically dislike Greg Wall. <laughs> There's nothing likable about this bloke. <laughs> Greg Wall joins us. There was a fantastic story on uh, the Golf Australia website about uh, last week about his deed. And the only reason we don't like you, Greg, is because we're all envious as hell, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Jeez, thanks, boys. Two holes in one in the same round. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Has well, that sunk in yet, mate? Sorry, Yaga. Has that sunk in yet? Uh, just, just about. <laughs> I think I walked off the 18th thinking, what's just happened? <laughs> and have you sobered up enough to talk about it yet? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. We understand you did a fair bit of damage in the Shelley Beach Clubhouse that night. Oh, mate, they, um, they uh, kicked us out, they closed the bar, kicked us out. <laughs> <laughs> have you had one before, had you had one before the before this round? I did actually have one in 2012 on, it was the 9th uh, hole, and um, it's now the 18th, uh, and it was the first time it was open, so one of the ladies, one of the sponsors put $500 on the hole, one of the ladies won the money, and then the sponsor put another 500 so I was the uh, first gentleman in the club to get the uh, hole one on the uh, 9th. That's great. Now, you've knocked a four, uh, an eight iron in on the fourth hole. Talk us through yeah. that shot for a start. And then talk us about how you walk up to the 18th which at Shelley Beach, which is a par three as well, obviously. There must have been a bit of banter about, oh, you know, maybe I'll do it again or something like that. Anything like that? Uh, I think the boys in front, Jason the Pro, uh, Jason the Pro, he, um, there was a bit of a, a rumour apparently. I didn't hear it, but they were. Um, there was going to be a bit of a G up if it looked like it was close, so I'm going to give us a bit of a cheer but it actually went in so <laughs> <laughs> what club do you hit there on 18 <laughs> i hit five iron it was it was getting a bit colder and i think there's a bit of a nor'easter blowing so i thought all oh, of it is hit the green and i don't get a shot there so i thought if i could hit the green and walk off with two putts um happy day it's pretty it's pretty windy where you are right now are you at the golf course already I am at the golf course already. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, for those of us who don't, before we keep talking about what you did, for those of us who don't know much about Shelley Beach Golf Club, it's clearly, yeah. it's a coastal course. Tell us a bit about it. It is coastal. It's, it's a beautiful course. Couldn't get any, it's probably the best in the world, I think. But <laughs> um, the view 
years we've just done blue over with the ocean, probably most of the course. Um, yeah, um, you do get a bit of wind now and again, but um, the boys do a great, the green keepers and the, yeah, they do a great, great job with the course. So it's, um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Mate, there's not many, I don't think there's anyone, there's been one instance on the US PGA Tour of uh, this occurring in a round. I think it was Brian Harmon a couple of few years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was, yeah. Only one bloke in the world had more holes in one in a round than you, and that was uh, yeah. Kim Jong-il of uh, North <laughs> Korean <laughs> fame. He had 11, didn't he? Yeah, I think he just had 11. So have you got another nine in you somewhere in a round? Oh, mate, I'll give it a good go today, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the two ones contributed to thirty nine points, which is probably a little disappointing. I would have thought. How did the how did the thirty how did the thirty nine stack up? Yeah, the uh, after the fourth, I played the fifth, and um, wasn't too bad. Um, I think I walked off with six to one, and the next hole, I off the two, I pulled it left and went in the bush, and we lost the ball, so I won that hole. And um, I think I had a I missed a birdie on uh, seven, and then eight, I hit a terrible drive, hit, hit the tree, dropped down, hit a nine, and pulled it left, and we lost the ball, so I'm thinking, my God, here we go, and um, hard the, the ninth, and said, oh, that's all good, I'm only two down with nine holes to go, my handicap, so I just tried to keep it together, and finish it off at the end, so I think I had 23 points on the back nine, which was fantastic, so... Well, the odds are, uh, what is it? 156 million to one. So. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Amazing odds. It's like those, uh, you know, the baseball guys, Andy, just the walk off home run. You just, oh, you yeah. know, swing your club on the ninth tee, walk off, salute the two holes in one, the 39 awesome. points, win the comp. See the bar. Yeah. Bring your card in, I'll we, sign it. <laughs> we play with uh, a big group on a Thursday, sometimes between, you know, 20 to 30 guys, and we put in like five bucks each and the the winner takes all, and I actually halved it with one of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, mate, it's great stuff. Uh, it's brilliant, and um, all credit to you. You've got to hit – you don't get, You might get lucky one. It doesn't sound like you got lucky. It sounds like you hit two great shots, but yeah. you might get lucky once, but you don't get lucky twice. You've got to hit good shots to have that happen, you know, um, you know, consecutively in a round, mate. So you, you're, it's a credit to you. Thanks for joining us on the show and telling us a bit yeah. about it. Great. Thanks, boys. Thanks. Thanks. Good on you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Greg Greg Wall joining us. Two holes in one in the one round. That's just crazy. You ever had one, Andy? I had one. Yeah, Sandy. Yeah. 13th Sandringham. There there were people there to see it. I had one as about a nine-year-old at Tawanton in Queensland. Did you? I've never had one, but I played with a guy once out at a place called Goonawarra, which is northwest of uh, Melbourne here, and he hit his first ball into the water (laughs) and then knocked the next one in. So he doesn't get to count it. It's just a par. Yeah. Let so me ask you this wow. question: If you ever go out for, you know, just you got a, a couple of hours to fill in your at home, and you can go and have a hit, and you go and have a hit just on your own, and you knock one in for one, would you tell anyone about it? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, can you do that? Oh, guess well, what happened to me today? I had a hole well, in one. Oh, I, really? Who were you playing with? I'll, I'll, tell, you what, I'll tell you what I did one day, Andy. Oh. I was down playing uh, Royal Camperdown down in the Western District, and I eagled the par five eleventh. Uh, and I was jumping around for joy. It was a good long putt and went straight in. And I hit the next one up the hill, dog leg par four. And I'm at second one, I heard this noise and I went up and it was at the bottom of the cup. I'm at the furthest point of the course near Lake Bull and Mary. Just no no uh, eagle, cell eagle. service whatsoever. Eagle, eagle, back-to-back holes. Mm. No one was on the course. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I ran 
the length of the course to get to the 18th so I could call my dad and tell him I had Eagle Eagle back to back. Then I went out right. and continued my round. Hollywood, Hollywood has. <laughs> I, I just don't reckon you've got much scope for credibility and believability if you're doing it on your own. I reckon, but I had I had to yeah. convey the excitement <laughs> yes. while I was in the middle of it. I so I ran lengths of lengths of fairways to get to tell my dad. Right. Oh well. I uh, just I just think that's tremendous. I've got mates I play with who've never had a hole in one, and they would kill to have one. Yeah. So for him to have it once, uh, twice in one round, is just unthinkable. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Visit swingfit.com.au G'day, I'm Cameron Smith. Not as home as often as I'd like, but I can keep up with all the Australian golf on Inside the Road. So other bits and pieces before we wrap it up. Uh, don't forget, uh, listeners to Inside the Ropes can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. For Android users download the podcast app through Google Play. Uh, the show will be automatically delivered to your device every single Thursday. You can also find Inside the Ropes on Spotify and Stitcher these days. Blakey? Spotify and Stitcher, you'd be all over those. Yeah, and Wooshka. There you go. So, get a mention. I don't, yeah, I think <laughs> there's somewhere in the mix. Uh, leave a I've review. I've got Spotify. Have you? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, <laughs> leave a review. Uh, it helps us to, particularly if you put four and five stars alongside the review. It, it's all, as I said before, it's all part of this kind of algorithm thing. That the more positive reviews you leave, the further up the order of things we get bumped and the easier we are to find. So do that. Um, Fernley, 86, Hazy. We haven't stopped reading our positive reviews. We should have done that by now. Yeah, no, we thank Fernley, 86. And he's, he's contributed in a, in a comp, in competitive sports podcast landscape. Inside the Ropes makes my shortlist. Aren't many better podcasts that tie together the effects events and people have on the game. God, love you, Fernley. Um, golf month, of course, Hazy, uh, is approaching. Yeah, October. Uh, for those who have been listening here, we've been previously asking you to you know get your club involved and get your facility involved and get them uh, as part of the program. Uh, but it's fast approaching now, and to celebrate, there are four ultimate golf bug adventures oh, up for grabs. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. You and a friend could be on a private charter to Tasmania, teeing it up at the magnificent Barn Bugle uh, Dunes, and Cape Wickham simply by sharing the golf bug with someone you know this October. So head to golfmonth.com.au, Andy, to enter and see all of the fun, social, and welcoming golf month activities happening across the country this October. Uh, we've got plenty of entries flowing in. Uh, there's some great ones there if you want to read them. But specifically right now, I'm not going to read them out, but Brian and Sally, you both put a tear in our eye for different have, reasons. And Rowan. And Rowan. Nice entry from Rowan. But, uh, yeah, Sally and Brian. Jeez, Brian, I'm feeling for you, brother. Can I just feeling say one you. thing about this? I mean, if, if people want us to promote, you know, a trip down to um, Lost Farms and Barn Burgle to promote something like Golf Month, the, the prize that is on offer for Golf Month, Surely we should be forced to go down there <laughs> and firsthand and experience what is online, so we can, with all you know, in all in all due respect and with full full disclosure, we can account for what is on offer down there. Inside Surely, the ropes from Lost Farm. Don't, don't you think we should? <laughs> I think we should have to do a show from down there. Oh, I'd suffer through it, Andy. I'd, I'd take one for the well, team. Well, I'd come down and hold you. I'd make sure you got through okay, right? Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. He's got to kick, kick Clates out because he designed the course. I played down there with him when it first opened, you know. We had a blue jacket. 
bluejacket.com.au if you want to know about it. But we played Blue Jacket down there in Obin Open for about a month, and Clates took us down there and won it. Can you believe it? He oh. played it and won it. He'd have to disqualify himself. No, Did it. he give the prize back? No, no, no. He had to, the problem is when you win it, you've got to organise the next one. So you had to organise the next one. <laughs> It was more trouble than he found it worth, to be honest, <laughs> in the end. Um, so that's that. Uh, there's a couple of other bits and bits of business. Blakey, I know you wrote about yeah. um, we've got the Wyndham Championship uh, coming up at the Sedgefield Country Club. Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah. There's $35 million bucks uh, of a prize pool for the FedEx Cup. So I know John Huggan, who's occasionally on this program, bags the FedEx Cup. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's... It's interesting, and it's a lot of money. Look, uh, there's a few Australians who are going to be in. Leishman's ranked 14th, Cam Smith's 45th, Jason Day 45th. Scotty, we mentioned, Pamps is 68th. He's in. Jeff Ogilvie's the interesting one. He's 125th. One, two, five, go through after this week. So Jeff's playing this week. If he plays badly, he could or will drop out of that. Mm. So I believe that he has to finish in the top 50 to get through to those four playoff events, and it also relates to keeping a card your full card Absolutely. for next year. So Jeff's using a uh, career earnings exemption this year to play. He would have lost his card otherwise. So he's taken advantage of that. So he needs to play well this week. Even someone like Cam Percy, a good friend of ours at this show, uh, Cam Percy is 140th on the list. So that's a very big week. And I think Hazy had a big week with uh, some mention of Hana Jang this week. Yeah, some uh, some great news coming out of South Australia this week. We uh, announced the formally announced the Women's Australian Open to be sponsored by ISPS Hander again, Blakey, for the ninth consecutive year, which is a phenomenal achievement. And we urge everyone to have a look at ISPS Hander's website uh, just to get involved with golf at a really inclusive level, uh, especially for people with disabilities and blind golfers. It's fantastic. But yeah, at Kuyonga, I had my first ever look at Kuyonga during the week. Just what a magnificent looking track course. that is. Great just superb. And uh, we announced Hana Jang, the Hana Jizer, coming back, um, which is fantastic uh, for Australian golf fans after what she did at Royal Adelaide this February, just gone, to come back uh, having walked off the LPGA Tour this year. Real coup to get her back, and we're really confident uh, at Golf Australia of the Wii uh, of getting a whole heap of the top 10 players in the world down to Adelaide again this year. So great coup for South Australia and Adelaide and uh, for those of who love women's golf and of course this week Andy the Solheim Cup's on and yeah, it's, on. Can't wait. it's going to be awesome to watch yeah. uh, Europe and, and there US is go at it. Andy video evidence of uh, Mark Hayes my good friend here <laughs> dancing with Hannah Jang after she won the Australian Women's Australian oh, Open <laughs> last year in in the nightclub of the hotel we were oh, staying at and I'm wondering oh. whether you've reserved a, you know a reprise <laughs> If she wins again, I'm confident that one of us will dance with her. That's all I'll say. Did you have pants on? I mean, long pants on. (laughs) I had. I definitely had pants on, Andy. I want to confirm. (laughs) I definitely want to confirm that there Uh, were pants attached. (laughs) Last one. We look. Depending on when you're listening to this, this there will be movement in this. But we are, as we speak, at uh, 11:30 on Thursday morning. We're down to the last 32 of the US Amateur. That will change by the time you're probably listening to it. But it's good news for Australia again. Unbelievable. 11, a record 11 strong Australian contingent teed up at Riviera and Bel Air to start the week. And that's a, that's an unbelievable story within itself. Mm. We had six guys in contention and we had a couple fall out late in the last bit of the stroke play uh, on Wednesday. But this morning, great news for the four who did make it through. Uh, we only lost uh, Blake Collier. 
So that means Dylan Perry and Travis Smythe of New South Wales and Shea Wolves Cobb of the Sunshine Coast are all through. So we've got three in the last 32, which follows up what we did with those similar sort of numbers at the Amateur Championship in Britain a few weeks ago. Yep. Um, really high hopes for Dylan Perry, the way he's playing at the moment. He's just rock solid every every time he tees it up these days. So uh, Yeah, runner-up in the British Amateur, mm, yeah. Dylan Perry. Uh, I just had a chat to him before we came on air, and he sounds good. He sounds composed, and it's well within himself. So three guys get behind them as this weekend goes on, and if we can get another one, to, <clears throat> pardon me, to follow in Curtis Luck's footsteps, that would just be absolutely unbelievable. Here, here. Uh, that is it. We are done and dusted uh, for another week on Inside the Ropes. There's a lot to look forward to and a lot to talk about when next we convene. Um, have you been okay with him Occupying your, if you haven't missed a beat, I'll, I'll, I'll say you've been nothing but professional. And I think I'm a bit too close to the camera, so anyone who sees any of the promos for this, I do apologise in advance. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, Good folks. We'll see, you, we'll see you next week.